0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Emirata Asks. This is a solo episode that comes out on Thursdays. Hopefully you listen to Maddie Ziegler on Tuesday. That's a really great conversation. I think she's adorable and so grounded and amazing. And we cover a bunch of things that um, especially if you're somebody who's in your early twenties, I really recommend listening to that episode. It's the last Thursday of the month, and you know what that means. Hopefully, maybe don't. It's Ask Me Anything. So no question is too big or too small. No topic is too random. This is your chance. Ask Me Anything. If you want to submit questions for a future episode, because now we're doing this once a month, um, there are a bunch of ways you can do it. You can send in your voice notes to Hilo FM, or you can call or text our Hilo hotline at 42Hilo4. You can ask questions via Spotify, just put it in the Q&A section of this episode, or you can use the hashtag high low and we'll keep an eye out for those on social media. And we're going to get started right after this break. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. So we're gonna start with the one that we got via Twitter since we've been doing a lot of whatever. I wanna show that we we are taking them from all kinds of places. Um, this is from Jean Paul on Twitter. He said, can I ask how, why you came up with the name Low?" So I really wanted the name of the podcast to be Bitch Era, which I'm actually really glad it's not <laughs> upon reflection, but in my manic state of um, where I was at in my life in that moment and just like what I thought was catchy and cool was bitch era and sony god love them we love sony we love all the people who are behind the scenes contributing we're like no (laughs) and thank god um so you know how i pitched the podcast was kind of talking about how i view myself somebody who can you know do the kind of like high level is well read like like i'm interested in politics i you know, am connected to culture and things that are happening on kind of the higher level. And also obviously have a bikini brand and post Instagrams and like to get drunk with my friends and talk shit. And that I wanted, you know, the podcast to really embody that spirit. Also, New York Magazine has this high low thing that they put out. And I just really liked that kind of as a reference point for how the podcast, you know, guests and what we do even with the solo episodes. That it would do that, and I have a friend, Ron Perry, um, who actually works at Sony, and he was like, "Why don't you go high brow and low brow?" And then we switched to high low, and yeah, I do think we have achieved that in a lot of ways, especially particularly with guests and subject matters. You know, sometimes I'll just talk about what the Met Gala was like, other times, or talk about dating or whatever else, and then other times we talk about, you know, kind of like bigger questions or topics. But let me know. What do you think? Do you think how can we incorporate the high low more into it? Someone asked, "Um, I've seen you courtside at a few Knicks games. What sports teams do you follow? So confession, I'm not big on sports. I know it's ridiculous that I should be allowed to sit courtside or be invited. My dad, my whole life has been like, You know, I finally took him to the Super Bowl because he was like, You don't care about football my whole life. I wanted to go to the Super Bowl and you get to go and you don't even watch the game. You literally like drink and eat food from the bar and are like, Oh, touchdown, nice. So I brought him. Um, But I do really enjoy basketball and I really like Madison Square Garden. And it's just such a fun thing to do in New York with people that live here as well. Like, I love the Knicks PR people. It feels like and even just the regulars who go to the game, you kinda go in this like back area and like have a beer and eat food and catch up with whoever's there. And it's just like such a fun vibe and the atmosphere. And obviously they did really well this season. Um, which I know a lot of Knicks fans were couldn't believe, but then also were so disappointed they didn't make it all the way. I mean, come on, guys, they've gotten so much better. Um And yeah, I just kind of have gotten more into that and I just really enjoy watching basketball and I really like Madison Square Garden. So that's it. Um, N.T. Mood writes via Spotify, wondering why you refer to TikTok so much as a place of validation for your work image arguments. Don't you think that's telling younger listeners that they need to find meaning or reassurance there? Um, Well, I think TikTok is just a interesting place to source um it's like a community where you can get people's different point of views on things just like how i always imagined or hoped the internet would do i feel like tiktok does it better than twitter i've said this before i um, sorry if you've heard me say that but um so for me i don't i don't know if it's validation it's just like i i like getting a sense of how you know what does what's going on in the zeitgeist how people are thinking about various topics and TikTok can be kind of this really great way of reaching people directly and getting their ideas and opinions on it rather than just like seeing polls or in traditional media like an op-ed so that's why i refer to TikTok so much i don't think um it's telling younger listeners that they need uh reassurance but yeah i do think there's meaning in TikToks um maybe that's controversial but i do feel that way somebody said i love how you keep it real when it comes to money i'm curious when were you when you were modeling and acting as a minor how did that work like did you get paid or your parents so i i don't totally remember but i know that there's a law called um jackie coogan and you set up a jackie coogan account jackie coogan was like some i think 20s child star whose parents stole all his money um, and this uh, legal um, account I don't know if it's specific for just California but I had to have a Jackie Coogan account, which a percentage of your earnings goes into that. But yeah, as a minor, your parents can manage your money. And I now think we've had on quite a few child stars or people, former child stars, who have talked about how their parents misused their money. I luckily did not have that happen. Uh, My parents are very ethical people and really wanted me to just start building up a savings account. But there are different, like I did have an account that my parents couldn't touch Someone said, just watching, just finished watching the Elliot Page interview and really loved it. I'm wondering what your own experience with your book tour and promoting my body were like. I was referencing my own book tour and experience with that when I was talking to him. and. Um, it was really hard for me. It was probably my least favorite part because it was really of just the experience of the book in general, because writing it was incredibly private and fulfilling and just hard, quiet work in a way that I haven't gotten to do in a really long time. And I just found it so fulfilling. And then now I'd say after has also been really amazing because I have people come up to me and tell me how much they love the book and, you know, I can really connect to readers of the book. But that was just media. Media had gotten it. And um, I was really, I did a lot of interviews and I felt like I was asked the same questions over and over again as much as I tried to respond honestly and openly and um, without kind of this, the the previous answers I'd given in my head. I feel like I did kind of say the same things a lot of times. And also it was just very hard to have... Um, you know, this thing that was my whole heart and soul. I felt so vulnerable putting it out there. I really also like wanted to be taken seriously as a writer. I didn't want it to just be a celebrity memoir. And I felt like a lot of the things in there were turned into like little clickbait headlines that were hard for me to metabolize and um, deal with. But again, like in the end, it was fine. But the book tour was hard for me. Somebody said... You mentioned the Bad Baby episode that you subscribed to her, her OnlyFans. Which other OnlyFans do you subscribe to? I subscribe to Mia Khalifa, the huge Mia Khalifa fan and Bella Thorne, also another high-low guest and Bad Baby, so they're my three, that's it. Um, I just like seeing kind of what they're doing and what they're putting out there and also, you know, charge me, I'm down. <laughs> I know you've said you hate to cook, but what are your specialties in the kitchen? So I don't actually hate to cook. I actually enjoy cooking. I don't, I don't have like the love and the feeling that a lot of people have when they, that people who really love to cook where they're like, it's the most relaxing thing. I just enjoy it so much. I don't, I don't have that. Um, so I kind of cooking for me is like, a necessary thing. I make breakfast for Sly every morning. Um, I cook him dinner a lot of the time. um, I'll do like just pasta or something basic, but I've done like Christmas dinner and stuff um, for a large group of people. If you throw a rest, I'm also pretty good at baking. Like if you throw a recipe in front of me, I can do it. Um, but I don't have like go-to's where I'm like, oh, yeah, I know how to make this, whatever. But I could cook a fish with garlic and olive oil and whatever. But I'm not, you know, somebody who can, who's like, this is my chili recipe that'll blow your mind or anything. OK, we'll be right back with a few more questions with a bunch more questions after this break. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. <laughs> Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Okay, here is one um, Gia La Rossi wrote on YouTube. Y'all didn't know that we were going to pull things from the YouTube comment section, but here we are. Um, this is on the Julia Fox episode on YouTube, which I do feel this is a common thing that was talked about. And it was interesting for me because I don't always have vocal fry, but definitely I had it in that episode, which is interesting just as far as. Um, linguistically and like conversationally the fact that i do kind of copy the the intonation and patterns of speech that my guests have i've tried to get better at that but i think it's just a way of that i kind of relate to people and try to make them feel comfortable i also have vocal fry separately from julia but that so many people freaked out about the vocal fry. I almost loved it. I was like, wow, I wish every episode was like this. And um, seeing the amount of misogyny that was in that, or that I feel is in the criticism of vocal fry, I'm glad somebody's asking about it. So this person said, why do some Americans and especially American women use this vocal fry speech phenomenon on the last word of many sentences? Emily especially, and I love her work. It is so irritable. And as an European, it turned me off this interview although i'm very much wanted to hear it can someone please explain so vocal fry there there have been different linguistic and like feminist think pieces about this obviously the kardashians are kind of the f- most famous vocal fry um example it kind of is an evolution from valley girl and the way that the the end of a sentence goes up it women what some people have theorized is that women want to make everything sound like a question because it makes them sound less assertive. So even if they're saying something that's kind of assertive or whatever, it's lighter and more easy to kind of take. And uh, I think that's really interesting. So I don't totally know why vocal fry, but I'm from California and everybody, even men that I grew up with have vocal fry, but definitely the going up at the end of the sentence has been studied and there's lots of things you can read about vocal fry and why Um, some people think that it's kind of sexist the way that it's criticized. Have you given any thought to when or why you would retire from modeling? Well, I thought that I was gonna kind of retire around COVID, I don't know. I just kind of was over it, I guess. I was like, oh yeah, this will always be like my day job. Um, but like, I'm not that into it. Um, I've also written this book now that kind of talks about why modeling is has not been wonderful for me um, in my experience in my 20s. And then after COVID and after the book came out, my career, like, I just kept working and working more and more and working in a way that felt different than the experiences that I'd written about in the book. Like I felt like people were respecting me, they were hiring me for me. And um, I was just seeing all this success and I was also working with people I really respect um, and think of as kind of artists and it just became a more enjoyable experience for me. Um, Plus like, yeah, it's the way I make a living. So no signs of, quitting I mean my whole it's funny when I I write about this in the book when I was you know 15 people were like I mean you're lucky if you can model till the age of 30 it stops at 30 blah blah blah. and maybe that's mentally was just you know because I did turn 30 like kind of towards the end of COVID and it was right before I was right after I turned 30 right as I finished like I finished sent in the final version of my book and I'd also just had sly and I was like okay new era new decade whatever um, but the industry's changed. I mean, I just did a job um, for a brand that I think used to like basically exclusively work with 19 year olds, and there were a ton of us um, there, and a lot of us were in our early 30s, which was cool. I like that that's happening, and I think that you know the way we view age has changed some, not that much. So um, I don't know, but I- I'm hoping that eventually I'll just feel it'll naturally sort of. I'll be good on modeling, but I also, you know, there's so many elements that I enjoy about about it. So I really, I haven't thought about it, but I have. I, I before I really did kind of think like, well, modeling this is a wrap. So yeah, have you ever had a reoccurring dream or nightmare? Yes, I have stressful reoccurring dreams. I have one where. I am yell- I actually haven't had this dream in a long time, so I hope that talking about it doesn't make this happen. But also maybe I'm just happier in my life, so I don't have as many anxiety dreams as I used to. But there was this one I used to have all the time where there was like a person that I loved or sometimes a stranger, and I would like yell and scream and then try to be physical with them. And there was just like, it was like I had no voice and had no physical power. That's a recurring dream. I always have dreams about my teeth like falling out and stuff, which I've heard is a control thing, but I've also heard it's about money. I don't know, there's a bunch of stuff you can read about. Those are my recurring dreams. Sometimes I have recurring dreams that I'm back in high school or college, and they're like, where have you been? You've missed this assignment, that, that assignment. And I'm like freaking out. And I'm like, well, I just went and like lived my life and I have another life, but I'm back here and I'm ready, you know, and I like be trying to take a test in my dream. So, um I think that is related to how much school I missed as a younger person and just feeling like, I don't know, I don't know. And also just time is such a trip in life. I think that there's moments where I'm like, am I not still in high school? One of the top voted comments on the Kelly Rowland episode on YouTube is from someone who thought that it was very, was disrespectful to ask about Beyonce. And someone asked me if I had any comments on that. They are—they were stepsisters, they had a band together and Beyonce's touring, she's one of her good friends and sh- she was going to see her concert. So I don't personally think it's disrespectful. I think we spent a very short portion of the interview talking about that. The rest we talked about Kelly and her career and her family and her life. So, and I don't feel that Kelly felt disrespected. I mean, you should ask her someone said hey em i love your writing i'm a writer too and i was wondering are you ever embarrassed to read stuff you wrote whether that was a year ago five years ago 15 years ago how do you feel when you reread and reflect stuff you wrote when you were younger this is one of the hard. this was the hardest thing for me to get over in order to write it all i couldn't keep a journal when i was younger because i would read it and think it was so embarrassing reread it and think it was so embarrassing that i would like throw the journal out after only one entry or two entry i definitely there's things from the first time i ever published something was for lenny letter for lena dunham's old newsletter and i look back on the writing in that and i'm appalled frankly appalled um i was not as well read and i think my standards were less high um and i would just never ever publish anything like that again although a lot of people connected to it and i'm glad it exists in the world i I think I am, but yeah, it's one of the things that you have to get over. And I talked about this in the Elliot Page episode. I said to him, when I talked to Stephanie Danler about my book right before it went to print, I had this moment of just like absolutely hating it and thinking it was trash and being like, having like a full meltdown of like everything that I've worked on for the last three years is so embarrassing and I'm so embarrassing for publishing this book. Like, why did I do this? And one of the things she said was like, first of all, you're not going to hate it. Eventually you won't. You just hate it right now. This is a natural moment. But also a book is a moment in time. And I think that's one of the things you have to realize about your writing is that it just is what it is. And you can choose to just not produce anything or you're going to have to live with the embarrassment. And I think that goes for almost any artistic expression. You have to, in order to make stuff, you have to just get over the potential future embarrassment you'll have around it. Okay, give us skincare secret besides the usual stuff. Please don't gatekeep. Okay, I need your skincare routines. I feel like my skin is freaking out right now. Um, but I basically use uh, Barbara Sturm's face, face wash. I also have this company that I cannot pronounce the name of, but it starts with an O and ends with a Z, and it's a very long word. They have really nice masks. I also like their face wash. So I use that stuff. And then the real product that's like, I wouldn't leave without kind of thing is the um, Dr. Dennis Gross Retinol. I think it's amazing. I wear um, sunscreen. I wear the Goop sunscreen, but I'm also have a couple different little sunscreens I'm trying out uh, for face. I don't wear it on my body, sadly. Um, And then I use Lolita in the winter. It's too heavy for me in the su- in the um, summer i've realized it also like makes my pores bigger so i just put it kind of around the outside of my face and my forehead but the retinol is really the key man i use that a lot i also was using um, p50 for a while but the retinol is better for me i need something a little stronger and the Dennis gross isn't too crazy i think that's all we have time for this time but it seems like you all like this episode so we'll keep doing this end of each month um, as long as you all still have questions for me and i'm not repeating myself but in the meantime we'll be doing our usual um, episodes on various topics and um, about stuff that's been in the news and all that so we're going to do one on the troubled teen industry we have one on the drag and beauty industry something on social media and mental health so if you have any thoughts on those topics As I said, at the top of the episode, you know where to find me. Check it out. Um, And we are back with some amazing, with an amazing guest next week. And um, I'm excited for you to hear that episode. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Happy 4th of July. See you next week. High Low with Imrata is a Sony Music Entertainment and Bitch-era Media production. Our executive producers are me, Emily Radikowski, Matt Raz, and Sarita Wesley. Our showrunner is Matt Raz. Our associate producer is Rachel Choder. Today's episode was engineered by Samantha Gatsik with original music by The Crystal Pharaoh.